The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery podcast. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. We're basically a couple of recovery nerds and ordained unity ministers sharing our experience, strength, and hope on this spiritual journey of addiction recovery. We hope that something you hear today will be helpful to you in your own recovery journey. We invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. Just send an email to spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. Facebook users, you can message us from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And please help us carry the message by following and subscribing to Spirit of Recovery on your favorite podcast platform. Today's episode is titled Commitment to Success. Nobody has ever stopped drinking or drugging if they didn't want to. The motivation and commitment to get clean and sober is essential for success. Even though those of us walking a recovery path know that this alone is not enough, We also know it's foundational for living a life of freedom. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on finding and sustaining the motivation and commitment to sober living. Yes, finding and sustaining the motivation and commitment to sober living. You know, I want to tell you that one of the biggest motivators in my life has been getting basically in enough pain that I was motivated to do something about it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I had things had to get things typically have to get pretty painful and difficult for me in order for me to be willing to change them. So unfortunately, you know, it'd be nice if we didn't have to go through that, but uh, that has been a huge motivator for me. Um, you know, I, I didn't think that my problem was drinking. Actually, ironically, I thought that my problem was that I dated people who drank too much. <laughs> That's what it yeah. seemed like the problem was. I was like, if I could just stop dating alcoholics. <laughs> I'm sure that was it. <laughs> you know, and oh, cause, so that was actually part of the problem. <laughs> you know, but because um, that's what we do, right? We, we date people who drink like we do because we want, we ba- or, or that drink worse than we do because um, they make us look good. So, um, so it took me a while to, you know, I tried to, I tried to fix other things that were not really the root problem. And it took me a while to realize, um, 
you know, that my drinking was a big part of the problem. And then, of course, uh, after removing alcohol from the equation, it turned out there was a whole lot of other stuff that I had to work on, too. But like I say, um, so so even after I got sober, I still had to go through a lot of stuff that was really painful. And um, the pain has just always been a big motivator for me. I don't like to be in pain, you know, and um, typically I'm not going to make huge, big changes in my life unless there's a really good reason to. And being in a lot of pain has been a big motivator for me and not, you know, getting to the point where I don't ever want to go back to that kind of pain again. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I have a similar experience and. You know, uh, we talked about how uh, we don't know anyone, certainly myself, anyone who quit if they didn't really want to, but that's, it almost goes, uh, it's much stronger than that. I don't know anyone who quit who didn't, you know, have to, or I haven't let go of anything that didn't have claw marks on it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, that's true. And, totally uh, true. I'm thinking about a comedian I heard a, a while ago who's giving advice to anyone who was single and having trouble finding a, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend or, or whatever. He said he had three simple words for a dating success. And the words were lower your standards. That's kind of how <laughs> I felt about drinking. It's like, oh, uh, uh, I really shouldn't do that. Well, uh, I'll quit if I start doing this. And then I start doing You remember that, that old well, Saturday Night Live skit? I'll no, lowered expectations me. no what is that oh, one you'll have to look that up lowered expectations <laughs> <laughs> no it is okay, kind of like that I though just... it's like oh i'll just lower my standards a little bit like well i don't drink that early in the day and i remember hearing a story about somebody um you know in and the store was they were drunk at like 10 a.m and i'm like oh my god who's drunk at 10 a.m and about <laughs> five years later i'm like how'd they make it till 10 you know <laughs> <laughs> Things change, man. So yeah, before uh, getting on a, re a recovery path where I did not have the commitment and strength, we can talk a little bit today about the Unity 12 powers, power of strength, because that's the um, power to persevere, basically in a word, to push through, to power through things. And there certainly have been times in recovery where that is exactly what I needed to do. I don't live my life that way, sort of always pushing, fighting and powering through things, but it's it's a it's a, an ability that I have found I need from time to time to get to get through things. Like today I was uh, taking my daughter to her work training and and she was tired. And she was saying, "Yeah, I'm tired. I don't I don't want to go to work." And this is early on in her work training and she's realizing, "Well, you go anyway." Yeah, you know, unless you're sick, you know, infirm, right. you go to urgent care or whatever. Um, you just kind of every we all hit points where we just need to power through things. And again, hopefully that's not our primary way of dealing with the world. That would get old pretty fast, and certainly would for me. But yeah. I know that it's something that I have needed to do from time to time to, yeah. um, you know, to stay on the path, basically oh, to yeah. not pick up a drink to make yep. it to the next day sober you know that's sort of the goal is just to to end the day sober is all i need to do yeah 
Yeah, no, this is really um, making me, you know, look back and think a lot about like, you know, early on, what was it that motivated me to stay committed to the path? And again, I just keep coming back to like, I didn't want to go back to the misery I had been in, you yeah, know, totally. I um one of my favorite sayings in recovery that I say to myself, and I sometimes share with others, is um, I don't have a single problem in my life today that alcohol could not make a whole hell of a lot worse. Yeah. You know, and so I just, you know, I, I mean, I haven't been tempted to drink in a very, very long time. But if I ever, you know, were to think about it, it's like, well, you know, you know how they say think through the drink or whatever. It's like, yeah, I mean, whatever I'm dealing with today that's challenging, drinking or what, you know, this goes for any addiction, ind indulging or using my addiction is only going to make, it's not going to make anything better. Let's put it that way. It's really not. It might take the pain away for a few minutes or hours, but um, ultimately it's going to really just make things worse. And so that was, that was very motivating and continues to be motivating to me today, you know, with changes that I make in my life today. It's like, um, I really think that, and, and when I say pain, you know, I'm talking about like spiritual angst, yeah, you know, emotional, emotional pain, um, you know, things not working in my life. And I know it's my fault. It's stuff that I'm doing. And, um, you know, the really hard things, the really hard things to change, you know, there's certain things that if we just put some effort into it, we can make some pretty big changes in our life. But there comes a time when we get down to the nitty gritty, right? We get down to the real stuff. Like, what is it that is really messing me up in life? And for me, it was, you know, really deep, unconscious beliefs about myself, um, <clears throat> you know, not being enough, not being good enough, not being lovable, those things, you know, those things take some real work. And um, the motivation for me has always been, I don't want to be in pain. You know, I don't want my personal life to be a big mess. I don't want that interpersonal angst and, you know, um, you know, just all of the drama and everything. And so, I know that if I don't continue to work on myself and continue to um, excavate those very deep things that um, are subconsciously motivating my non-effective behavior, <laughs> you know, that they will continue to cause me pain, basically, and others pain. But causing others pain causes me pain, right? It causes me guilt and shame and hurt. And so... Um, yeah, that continues to be a huge motivator for me. If I want to drink today or I want to indulge in any other number of ineffective behaviors um, that are available to me, it's going to get me in pain. And I don't want to be in pain. You know, I always say I did not, we, all of us collectively did not get sober, did not leave our addictions behind to be miserable and be in pain. That's right. You know, yeah. and it's not that life is always happy, happy, because it certainly isn't. But darn if a good portion of my life better not be happy and joyous and free. Or what am I doing here? You know? Yeah, that's the new standard, you know, and, and I'm not yes. saying that that's my experience 24 seven. No. But I'm saying that I have found that that can absolutely be the case. And when it's not the case, it's something that I am doing or not doing, you know, I'm blocking yep. it somehow. <laughs> or other, which the good news is that means that I can change something and find my way back. 
to yeah. being happy, joyous, and free. I like to say I don't have any problems I didn't create myself. Yeah. And I agree with what you said. There's no problem that I have that taking a drink won't make far worse. Yeah. I'd been given the advice to, um, you know, if the idea that taking a drink might be a good idea were to come up to play that <laughs> tape forward, yes. you know, it's a little old talking about thinking about cassette tapes, right? Play that tape forward. Okay. And then what happens? And then what happens? And then what happens? And it very quickly you know, the realization is, yeah, this is all going to go to crap really, really fast. Yes, it and is. And I've seen that with other addictions, like, you know, more, I want to say harmless ones. I have a friend that, that says I deal with my addictions in the order in which they'll kill me fast. Yeah, that's right. Which is why I quit drinking and then started smoking again in my infantry. <laughs> and then eight years later, I quit smoking. Finally, yeah. um, but I've seen that happen enough with tobacco products that that idea that I'll just have one. Here's how it goes. I'm really wigged out or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Go buy a pack of cigarettes, smoke one, throw it away. Throw the pack away. Five days later, buy a pack of cigarettes, smoke one, throw the pack away. Uh, then that turns into buy it, um, smoke maybe two. Uh, and then throw it away and then buy another one. So we're three weeks in now buy another one but hang on to it because i know i'm just going to throw it away and buy another one so i may yeah. as well just hang on to this one to save yeah what money. a waste of money <laughs> and then and then boom i'm right back at it the best yeah. analogy i have is so on our refrigerator here at home we have magnets you know hold up pictures and recipes or whatever it might be that we want to put on the fridge me getting away from any addiction including nicotine alcohol or whatever but i'm thinking about nicotine now because i've gone back and forth several times with that, unlike drinking yeah. where I quit once and I aim right. to keep it that way. Um, with tobacco going back and forth, it's like, if I go up to the fridge and grab a magnet and start to pull, I have to exert a lot of energy to get it a 16th of an inch away from the fridge and then an eighth of it. But once it's a certain distance away, it's now effortless to keep it away. Uh -huh. But if I start tempting fate and start putting that magnet a little closer, little closer, little closer, all of a sudden, boom, smack, <laughs> it's going to hit it before yeah. I know. And I'm back. I'm back. right back in it. And that's the buy a pack, smoke one, throw it away. Buy a pack, smoke one, throw it away. That's getting closer and closer to the fridge with the magnet and then smack right back in it. I've yeah. done that too many times. And so I'm saying all this because I apply that experience and, and knowing alcohol would be exactly the same. Or exactly worse. the same. Right. Much, much worse, in fact. Yeah, just a I, little bit. Hey, that was no problem. I'm still fine. Uh, two weeks later, just a little bit. Hey, I'm still, it's cool. I'm cool. I'm yeah. Cool. Just. Yep. sooner or later boom, right back at it then i'm That's hammered right. buying it by the handle thinking about going to different liquor stores so people won't get to know my face too well yeah say things like oh you're having a party and i'm like sort of <laughs> <laughs> party of it. one <laughs> yeah friend whose sponsor <laughs> said you know you know because sometimes we say i just like to party you know party means there's more than one person present you know this right <laughs> not at my house it don't <laughs> That's unnecessary funny. that is so funny Starting i know my favorite thing to do when i was still drinking was to you know get a bottle of chardonnay and get in the bathtub and sit there and drink the whole bottle in in the bath that was my idea of a good time <laughs> <laughs> i thought i was so sophisticated you know 
I love that I had people along the way who explained to me things like, you know, while you're staying sober, your addiction is in there doing push-ups, right? Like if you go back to it, it's not going to just pick up where you were. It has been strengthening itself because, you know, alcoholism is a progressive disease. So you, this is my understanding. I thank God have never had to test this theory out, but apparently if you go back to it, it's like, it's accelerated. You know what I mean? Like it, it gets, yeah. it gets bad as it was very quickly and then gets worse. And it's, it's not like you go back and back. start over. I've heard yes. that from so it's many harder people to come being back. sober a second time is far harder than the first time. And I'm telling you the first time was quite hard enough. Yeah. For me. Yeah. 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 Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Yeah. So that's a good reminder, you know, that lest we ever think that, um, you know, because I don't think about drinking, but every now and then I think, gosh, I wish I could just drink normally. You know, when I'm at a party and I see these really weird people that just have a few sips of something and then leave it sitting on the side table, like like, complete maniacs. What is wrong with them? Amateurs. You know, every now and then I think, oh gosh, you know, it'd be so nice if I could just drink like that, if I could just enjoy a small drink here and there or whatever. But I know that that's not a possibility for me. And and I don't need to test that theory out. And life has always been far, far better um, sober. I mean, it's like being sober yes. is just the very top layer of what I need to do to be a halfway sane person. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the beginning beginning and so if i remove that then all of the other stuff that i've worked on on top of that is just gone like being sober is just the bare minimum i love it though i have to say uh heather and i will go out dancing we try to have date night every saturday do something go to a restaurant meet some friends go go out dancing and if you're going to go out dancing inevitably you're going to be doing that in a place that serves alcohol and most people are drinking and we're not and so i kind of get to see like oh you know i I see what's going on i used to you know maybe been like that it's not hard to avoid i wouldn't go there if it was troublesome it has not been troublesome right but every time every single time we leave i'm like i am so glad Yes. I don't think I am yes. just I'm going to jump up and down in the parking lot you know when we're know. getting in the car I, I am so so happy yep. that I don't drink this beats drinking by a thousand miles yes it does and it's taken a while for me to get to that point though it, yeah, it does especially, take time what do we say time takes time time takes time when you when you're the only sober folks and you watch the behavior of drinking people you know and it's not to say that there aren't a whole lot of people out there that drink normally that just enjoy a glass or two of wine and that's it but um yeah when i'm at events where a lot of folks are drinking um i have that same feeling as you is you know 
I don't have to go home tonight and lie awake in the middle of the night wondering if I said or did something stupid. That's I mean, right. I probably did say or do something stupid, but at least I know I was stone no, cold I remember sober when it very I did it. Clearly. <laughs> I remember it. You know, I don't have to worry that I'm going to, you know, drive drunk or do something really stupid. Yeah, I'm not right. going to, you know, start some big drama with my partner or whatever. I mean, just, oh God, I know what you mean. Just the gratitude of like, oh, I don't want to live that way. It's just not, not wasting three quarters of the next day in a fog. Recovering. Over. Right. Yes. None oh, of that. God. I'm so, so happy and so grateful for it. Whenever Me that too. Me too. You know, I'm thinking about the power of strength. So we talked, I, I mentioned that before in Unity's 12 power framework, which yeah. is 12 abilities that we all have, that we're all using to some degree or, or other, our challenge is to become aware of how we're using them so we can use them in a more skillful manner, right? right? And one of them is the power of strength. Now, the power of strength is what kept me drunk too, right? Just one foot in front of the other. I can do it. I can do it. I can get to the liquor store before it closes. Um, but it also serves my purpose in staying sober because sometimes, um, in life, you know, we hit a patch where just kind of head down, nose to the grindstone, one foot in front of the other is all I can do to move forward. I had a yeah. friend some years ago who was a triathlete. Okay, I've done a little bit of jogging here and there. I can't even <laughs> imagine being a triathlete. I'm like, how, you know, that's like, it seems superhuman. How are you going to do yeah. all of that? And he said something I'll never forget, which is that you, you have to develop the ability to find a focal point within yourself. And when uh -huh. things get difficult, you focus on that. And even though he wasn't making a spiritual point, was not a spiritual person that I know of, that is a spiritual concept yeah. for us of turning within to that, to that Christ light, you know, that divine spark, that power that sits within each and every one of us upon which we can draw. If, yeah. if I know to do it, and I know that I can do it, lo and behold, I find that I, yes, I can do it. So yeah. I, you know, turn within, uh, focus on that focal point to get through difficult times is what he was saying. You can't, he yeah. was basically saying, I can't do this except for this technique, this ability yeah. that allows me to get through the most painful and difficult parts of it. Yeah. And I'm like, I really get that. Yeah. I really get that. That's the power of strength applied, you know? It's the power of strength. And, you know, human beings, we have such incredible strength when we, like you said, when we use that, that um, method or when we, I want to say when we have to, but of course we always have a choice to fail at something, right? We don't have to do anything, but I'm just, I feel inspired right now to just share, you know, my son has recently started um, bowling with Special Olympics, and we've done a number of Special Olympics sports over the years, but over the pandemic, it was all on hiatus. And so I'm just getting used to being back in that environment. Special Olympics is amazing. If you ever need something to cheer you up or put your life into perspective, go volunteer or even just go and watch a Special Olympics event. It will blow your mind. But, you know, I see these families, I've known some of these families for years and years and years, and some of them are dealing with some really challenging 
situations. I mean, having a special needs child is always challenging. There's a number of families that, you know, they have kids with Down syndrome, which not always, but typically tends to happen when folks have a baby later in life. So the folks are already a little bit older, you know, that maybe they were in their 40s when they had this child. And now the child is in their 20s, 30s, 40s. And these folks are old, you know, and they've been raising this child for all these years. And I see them out there. God bless them. They just, they possess a strength that, um, you know, people that are older than me, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm tired. My husband and I are watching from the, you know, little spectators area. And some of these parents are down there in the lanes, you know, volunteering and helping the other um, athletes. And that's strength to me to get up every day and care for, you know, a child that needs so much help and love and guidance. And, and so I'm thinking, where does that strength come from? Because these are some of the strongest people I know. And I think that the strength comes from love. Um, love is that inner resource that we have, you know, um, there, we have all these 12 powers that we've, you know, divvied up into different categories and everything. But what is the ultimate power, the ultimate energy, what we call the one power and one presence, God, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a power of love. It's a strength of love. It's an energy of love. And um, it's the love for, for their children that um, gives people what I think is an amazing strength to be in your sixties and still be out there doing, I mean, I don't know how they do it. It's amazing, but it inspires me. And, um, you know, and people, you know, when you're a special needs parent, you get, you get told a lot, you get the comment, I don't know how you do it. You've probably heard that. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Um, well, you do it for sheer love for your child is what you, and, and that's a huge motivating force, you know, the power of love, just the, it's, it's the most incredible kind of love I've ever known. It's just this total unconditional, just fierce love for my child that I would do just anything for him, you know? So I just wanted to put that example out there that, that, that love that we have for others can give us an amazing strength just because it's a, it's a limitless love is infinite, right? Yes, That's what right. we teach. And yeah. it's a limitless fount of strength and commitment and staying power that um, is just, yeah, it, it, it has no end. And, and I'm reminded of uh, back to basics, right? That love is, is the love that God is, right? right? And so we all need a higher power in order to succeed in, in recovery, in my experience, or I should just say I do, and I know that I do. And uh, I call that higher power God. I might have a different definition than some people, but I don't get too worried about that. But that, that divine presence that sits in the center of each and every one of us, which is the wellspring of love and therefore yes. strength, and motivation. And I had jotted down that I find persevering uh, a lot easier when I have a larger purpose in mind or a, a broader context. And the context mm -hmm. is um, living what I call a God-centered life. Yeah. You know, that, that's, the, that's the arena in which I live my life now and everything somehow or other comes back to that. So it's not a matter of like, you know, 
white knuckle resisting taking mm -hmm. a drink or whatever that's long gone for me you know there mm -hmm. we say don't quit uh before the miracle one of the first miracles was when the craving for alcohol left you know after a couple of months or whenever it was it will happen at some point but to then begin to live from that place um and have uh you know a context a, a larger reason of a purpose if only to show up each day asking what is mine to do on this day you know how can i best do that or as i uh, heard from you i think learned from you that concept of let thy will and my will be one mm -hmm. you know, let be me aligned, be yeah. in alignment with my higher power to the point where my will and the will of my higher power as i understand it is one and the same and yeah. it just uh, you know, life is so much easier when everything is in the context of that that higher power. But it is time for us to shift gears and move into what we like to call recovery in a nutshell. This is when we try to summarize the various pieces of all that we have just talked about, maybe sort of our top three list, if you will. Um, and we always pose it in the in the form of a question. So Reverend Michelle, if someone came to you and said, I want to get sober, but I don't know if I can do it. You know, what should I do? And, and you had a minute to kind of give your, oh gosh. your top guidance. What would you say? I mean, seriously, what I would say to someone is get get thyself to a meeting. Um, you know, listen to others, what they're saying and sharing and um, see where you can relate. Find someone that seems like they have something you want and ask them to be your sponsor. Get involved and take it one day at a time. I mean, the, these are the things, these are the basics of 12-step recovery, right? But I would add on to that, that the most important thing about recovery in my not humble opinion <laughs> is developing a relationship with a higher power, finding a higher power, whatever that is, and working daily on, um, on developing, evolving, strengthening, expanding that relationship. This is really a spiritual program. There is no spiritual part of this program. It is a spiritual program. And it is all contingent upon our forging a relationship with a higher power that is the source of all love and all strength and all everything we need. And that's where we draw from. That's what gives us our strength. That's what sustains us. And frankly, that's what makes life worth living. Yeah. Yeah. What I might say is the, the first thing that comes to mind is to set an intention. And, and this is a, a seemingly small thing, yet I find it extraordinarily powerful to literally just, you know, speak it out loud, write it down on a piece of paper or whatever that says, I, I live a sober life. You know, it's an mm -hmm. affirmative way of setting an intention. And then, you know, do that each morning or even throughout the day. Just keep returning to that. You know, this is what I am doing. This is the intention that I'm setting. And then, as you had said, get with other people who are doing the same thing. Yep. If I want to get sober, I need to find other people who are getting sober, who have gotten sober, who maybe some who are starting, some that have a little time, some that have a medium, some that have a lot, yep. so that I can um, hear what has worked for them. And yep. if I hear something that says, oh, I'm, I, maybe that would work for me. Hey, guess what? I can try it. I can even yep. go talk to that person and say, tell me more about how this worked because I'm really, I want to do this too. And I'm not sure how. And when you said that, a light went on for me. Tell me more about that. And the last thing, just be willing to show up. 
even if it doesn't make sense, just keep yep. showing up. That's a, an expression of that strength that comes from God. It's an expression of love in, in many ways. Just suit up and show up no matter what. Yep. And know that it will get better. It, it does. will it get better. It absolutely does. Yep. Well, as always, we have an affirmation for you. And today our affirmation is this. I have the strength and commitment to accomplish that which is mine to do. And once again, I have the strength and commitment to accomplish that which is mine to do. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another episode of Spirit of Recovery. At least we like to think of it that way. And we are grateful. Uh, we hope you found something in all of our confabulating today that you will find genuinely helpful. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Yes, we do. And as always, we invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. You can find us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, or you can email us at spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. And please help us carry the message by following and subscribing to Spirit of Recovery on your favorite podcast platform. We're so glad you joined us today, and we hope you'll join us again. Until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. We talk to the animals, and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast, hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson, we will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.